Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Little Bit of Everything. Today we're going to talk about a little bit of talent migration. Our last Little Bits episode that we recorded about a week ago, Zen and I were talking about uses of creative data. And as we mentioned, right now we're in two separate parts of Europe. So Zena right now is in Vienna and I'm in Lisbon. And Zena remembered that he had a very interesting colleague that could do an amazing little bits episode. So we are very thrilled to have Philip Koch here um, to talk a little bit about how migration, knowledge distribution, and how we can use data in a really creative way to see the sort of results of that. So. Together, we're going to be talking a lot about the geography and the distribution of knowledge in Europe over the last thousand years. So trying to understand how did Paris become a central location for the arts and how did Vienna become one of the most important places for classical music? So at this point, I want to start handing over this responsibility to Philip. So Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What got you interested in this topic? Um, yeah, thanks. Uh First of all, thanks for having me and, and for the nice introduction. Um, my name is Philip Koch. I'm a PhD student at the Center for Collective Learning in Toulouse. Um, I'm also a researcher at Eco Austria Institute for Economic Research in Vienna. Um, and in addition, I'm, I'm visiting the complexity science up here in Vienna at the moment. Um, and this work that, that we're going to talk about today is, is the product of, of a very, very good collaboration um, together with Viktor Stokowski, uh, a postdoc in Toulouse. Um, at the Center for Collective Learning and Cesar Hidalgo, who is the CCL's director. Super cool. So was there anything that sort of intrigued you about, first of all, trying to understand how is knowledge becoming clustered in space? I think kind of how knowledge clusters in space is, is a core topic of economic geography and, and of someone who is, who is interested in economic complexity and, and this evolutionary aspect of economic geography. This is a very very nice and interesting topic and and i think you you kind of pinpointed it in the in in the introduction very well in, in kind of that was our motivation we wanted to know or understand how paris became the center of arts in the last thousand years and how how so many composers were born in vienna and we had this nice data set based on wikipedia data uh, it's actually the pantheon um, data set that cesar and a team of his uh, created a few years back where they retrieve data from Wikipedia on famous individuals. It's publicly available. You can, you can check this out at pantheon.world. And we, we use this data to map the migration of individuals over the past thousand years across Europe and how this affects the probability that, a, that individuals with a certain activity are born in a specific region. So could you maybe like uh, give an example of some of the data that you would be collecting on an individual? So first of all, we know we know where people are born and where they die, geocoded. Um, so we can we can map that to regions. Then we also know the occupation of those individuals. Um, so we have a, an occupation taxonomy of a hundred occupations that where one occupation is assigned to each individual, and this allows us to uh, to do the analysis we do. Um, and this is very different to other datasets that are out there on famous individuals and Wikipedia data. So to get it clear, what you did is you looked at a lot of Wikipedia pages that state for all famous individuals wh where they were born, where they lived, and what occupations they had through time. 
or just one occupation? Just one occupation. So basically they are the occupation that made them famous. Okay, and just also to make that clear, these occupations are in a kind of standardized categorization uh, so that you can compare them easily. Exactly, exactly. There's a hierarchical classification, so you have you can distinguish between different scientists, mathematicians, biologists, uh, chemists, etc. You can differentiate between actors and musicians or dancers or um, composers or politicians. So you, you basically have a standardized occupation taxonomy that you can use over time to map the evolution of, of occupations. Interesting. I'm sure also in that data set it would be it would be cool to see kind of what occupations came about. So I'm sure that new occupations began at a certain point, certain ones became redundant. It actually seems like a very cool data set to look at. Um, but I guess now that you have this data set that allows you to see where people are born, where they died, look at their maybe their migration and their occupations. What do you do next? So what were you trying to use this data set for, really? Like, what was your research question? Well, the research question was basically that we know uh, from a lot of literature, uh, contemporary literature, that migration plays a huge role in economic geography and in, in shaping economic and cultural activities. Right? Because migrants carry knowledge across space, essentially. And what we wanted to show is, how is this happening over, over 1,000 years and with famous individuals? How does this affect why a certain region becomes the hub for the arts or the beacon of classical music? We wanted to understand how the knowledge of immigrants, emigrants and locals actually contributes to the probability that a certain region gives birth to people with a certain activity. And, and how we do it, um, basically what, the, what this data allows us is to differentiate between knowledge spillovers across space and across activities. What do I mean by that? So if you, if you think about a mathematician that moves to a certain place, this can affect the probability that mathematicians are born there in the future through different means, um, through different channels. You can think of a famous mathematician that, that moves somewhere and teaches at this university, which, which would create knowledge spillovers in the future, right? Um, we could also, however, and this differentiates us from, from other historical studies, based on the data we have, we can also look at spillovers across activities. So basically, we can map how similar are different occupations to each other. Basically, that what would come out is, or what comes out is that mathematicians frequently co-locate together with biologists and other um, scientists, physicists, you name it, which would mean that there are some knowledge spillovers or some similarities in the required capabilities between those occupations. And if, if now many mathematicians move to a certain place, this would also mean that similar capabilities or similar, similar occupations also can pop up there in, in a, in a, manner of path dependency. Okay, so what you basically are saying that if a famous mathematician moves to Vienna, the chances are bigger that this will also uh, have the effect that famous physicists, for instance, are going to live there. Uh, because for that occupation, similar knowledge is required as for a mathematician. Yes, similar or complementary knowledge. So what we use is essentially to measure that as measures of relatedness, um, which, as I said, exploits this uh, information on the collocation of activities. 
And this can be similarity, but this can also be complementarities. If we think about musicians and actors, they're very complementary to each other, right? They maybe don't need, to a certain extent, they need the similar capabilities, but they're also complementary in each other in the sense that... For instance, in a musical, they sing and they act at the same time. Yes, it, it, it would be a better show. It would be a better show if there is a musician and an actor, right? Um, or a singer and a musician, for example, right? So there are complementarities that relatedness also measures. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I also, I guess that would make like a lot of sense to me personally, that it would make sense that if a mathematician comes to a place, starts to teach at a university, they then usher in a new generation of mathematicians, right? And if that region already was specialized in physics or biology or had already some existing capabilities of that, then all of them would grow together. I think that's, that's really intuitive, but I guess it's very fascinating to see migration be directly tied into that. So my question is, is how important of a role did migration end up playing? What, did, what were your results here? So, so first of all, if we talk about migration, and this is, this is a very intuitive finding, um, is that what we see is that people move within countries towards large cities, right? So people move within France towards Paris uh, or within the UK towards London, which would be something that you would also very much observe in, in data from nowadays. And this leads to basically a higher spatial concentration of places of death than of places of birth, uh, because people move to agglomerations, essentially, to Paris or, or London, leading to more people dying there than they are born. That's kind of bad news for Paris, though. It's like city everyone dies. <laughs> the city everyone dies, yeah. <laughs> well, but, but when we looked at there, we see that there is also some positive things happening because this, this kind of triggers some, some births of famous individuals. Okay. Well, right? So uh, there's not only bad news for Paris in that, in that respect. Um, but what we find is that Especially migration is, is a very relevant um, driver of knowledge spillovers. Um, so we see exactly that. If, if a mathematician moves to a certain place, this increases the probability that mathematicians are born there. Um, and if people in related activities uh, move to a certain place, for example, physicists, if we talk about mathematicians, this also increases the probability that mathematicians are born there. So. While we do not find this effect for locals, if we look at all the people that are born there, we do not find this natural path dependency as much as, as we do with migration. Okay, so just to kind of clarify, when you talk about migration in this context, you're not just talking about transnational, right? You're also talking within a country. Yes, we're talking between regions. Um, now there was kind of most of the migration is happening internationally, right? But what happens to the regions that people leave? Because you're saying more people are dying in Paris than are being born. So that means that there's probably somewhere where more people are being born than dying, right? Like one, one sentence that was in our mind when we created the study was, talent is everywhere, opportunities are not. Right? In a way, talent is, is something that is more distributed across space than, than there are opportunities. So I think if, if now people leave a certain place, if, if they leave a, a smaller region to, to, to live in Paris, of course, this also has impacts on, on this region. And this is, however, we do not really observe robust effects for that. We have some indications that this effect is negative on, on future births um, in, in that region. So, so I think for sure there will, be, there will also be the negative effects for the regions that are left behind in a way. Do you also think famous people tend to travel more than normal people? Totally, totally. I think this is one of the reasons why we do not really observe 
um, robust effects for locals because basically 60% of the, of the individuals that we observe die in a different place than they were born in. So there is some migration happening uh, for the majority of, of individuals. So what does that mean for the results of your research? I think that what that means is that I wouldn't take for granted that we do not find effects for locals. They are weaker and they are not as robust. But I think if we would have more detailed and comprehensive data, I'm pretty sure that we would find this natural path dependencies as well. Um, because that's something that you basically in, in the field of economic geography is something that you always observe, right? You always observe this, this path dependencies. And I would assume that if we have more, if we had more com comprehensive data, we would also see that for locals and not only for migrants. Yeah, I guess my question is like, for me, when I hear this, I think of this as a really great sort of counter argument to a lot of things we're hearing today that are very kind of like anti-migration, right? And anti-movement and all these things. So do you think that these results in any way challenge these ideas or maybe kind of support a viewpoint that migration is a positive thing? I think it does not really challenge the idea we have about migration. I think as, as an economist, we are well aware of the fact that migration and especially high-skilled migration that we are looking at in this study is a positive thing and, and leads to positive effects uh, within and across activities, if you want to frame it like that. Yeah, I mean, that would make, I think, a lot of sense to me if I just think about like growing up in Silicon Valley. You know, I mean, it's pretty known to be like this incredibly productive area for tech, especially. And there you have just an absolute massive amount of migration, not just international, but you really are attracting the best talent from throughout the US. It's actually nowadays getting progressively rarer to go there and meet someone who grew up there or who was born there. And so I think that we're totally seeing not only kind of everything that you're saying, but for me, observing it in real time, I could imagine how someone who's a physicist that was maybe trained in India, as opposed to a biologist that may have been trained in Chile, all of a sudden come together and from these different backgrounds are able to create an incredibly produ productive area in tech. So I guess everything that you're saying really does kind of connect it all together. Right, right, totally, yeah. And, and I think kind of Silicon Valley is one of those examples. Another example in, in, in US history would be Seattle, right? Uh, Microsoft moved there end of the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this created, uh, this made Seattle to, to also one of the technology hotspots uh, in the US today with Microsoft still residing there, but also other technology companies like Amazon. Um, so I, I think that, that, that what we find is essentially this migration plays a role and, and you still see that in, in a lot of, um, in a lot of contemporary aspects. However, this is one of the big differences I would see between the US and Europe, right? Labor mobility is way higher in the US than it is in Europe. Um, you actually have the easy possibility to move to Silicon Valley if, if also if you are uh, from the East Coast. That's something in, that is way harder in Europe to the multitude of reasons. Um, but I think that this is one of the key differences in terms of labor mobility between, between Europe and the US. And based on our results, we should, we should endorse and support labor mobility more. So now that we're able to sort of put numbers to this phenomenon and really see like there is an important aspect of migration in order for a region to become, you know, economically strong or productive, 
what do we do with this information? Well, I think I think that in general we we understand history a bit better. Um, what do we do with that information? I think that very much relates to what we just talked about about labor mobility, about the positive side of, of migration. Uh, I think that that this is something that, based on on the history or on on the historical aspects we just looked at, is nothing nothing to be afraid of. And what what we see is that. Regions actually benefit from migration, right? Uh, and and benefit from from migration in the sense that they develop new areas of specialization. Great. Well, I definitely gained a lot from this conversation. I understand at least a little bit better how migration is affecting how a region is becoming productive or not productive. Um, so I wanted to say thanks again, Philip, for taking the time to be on our show. Well, thanks very much for having me, and and thanks for the opportunity to show a little bit of what we did. Yeah, a little bit of what we did. Love it.